Good morning, church. It is good to be with you today. Uh, excited about uh, Kinder Blessing, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, it's been on my mind and heart a lot lately about generations. You know, we've been talking about the vine and the branches. We're still, as you see, we're still there. Um, this vine and branches that Jesus is trying to tell us and what it means for our relationship with him. And as a matter of fact, if, if you can see again, I'm going to show this picture every week. If you can see, this is what we're talking about. There's a, there's a vine that's the great big piece that's going this way, and then there's a branch that goes up, and then there's the fruit. But right in that circle, that's the spot where the branch, that's us, is connected to the vine, that's Christ. And that's our focus. That's who we are. That is what that whole uh, metaphor and that teaching of Jesus is about, is him making sure that we know, you hold on to me. You hold on to the one true vine. And we spent some time talking about the true vine. We spent some time talking about pruning. And today, I am really... Um, I had, had some talks with Clark and Ricky this week, and we talked about what we were going to be doing with our kids, and it has been on my heart and mind a lot about generations, the idea of all these generations. And then in addition to what's happening here, uh, I have my parents with me here today, uh, the generation uh, above me. Um, I saw some people just come in whose father was my mentor, and then their son was in our huddle as we taught them in high school, and then he worked for me. And these generations, these passing on of things, this passing on of this relationship and what we have in Christ. There's so much to this. I even have a loved one, a dear loved one, whose child is being baptized today and realizing what a big deal that is. And so there's all this movement today that has to do with this passing on of what we have. And so I want to talk to you about that because Jesus talks about that in the scriptures that were just read. First of all, let me tell you a little bit about the context of this. As we talk about vine and branches again, I, I told you I've got this, uh, this sommelier and a vine dresser who's been helping me. They tell me a lot about what things mean and context and all of that sort of thing. Let me tell you a little bit about what I've learned about vine and branches. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but one of the things that's really neat about this concept is it is generational. As a matter of fact, you will hear people who work in vineyards talk about what generation this vine is and how it goes and how many generations it's been since its origin back there. And as a matter of fact, I mentioned to you at one point that he said there's a lot of people here in America that can trace the vine lineage that they have in their vineyard back 2,000 years. They can go back that far. And so the idea of this being something that is handed off and passed down and it's generational and there's DNA is something that's very common among this. And, and then he taught me something else that I found to be really remarkable. Is during the first century, during this time that, that Jesus walked the earth, it was not uncommon for in the Roman world for a Roman soldier who may get, uh, uh, may get a new outpost, a new job. Maybe the Roman uh, emperor took over a new part of land and he said, what we're going to do is we're going to send you off as a Roman centurion or a Roman soldier. You're going to leave your home and you're going to go to this new outpost because this is our new land now. Maybe it's something that's been conquered. And one of the things that would happen before they left is every Roman soldier would go and he would go to his family vineyard and he would take some clippings off of the branch. Just a few clippings. And he would take that with him. And then he'd take an olive pit from the olive tree that grew in his home. And he would put that in his pocket, and he would take that with him. And those were the things as he left and went to set up his home, his new home, the new place where he would live, that he had with him. And the idea would be is, I take these things from my home, and now I go set up 
this new home. And this is the way I'll do it. And you need to know it wasn't like some big ceremony. It was just common. What you would do is you would take the clippings and you would take the olive pit and you would take those with them. It's the things that I grew in my home. Now I'm, I'm going to grow in my new home. So I carry this with me. I take this that used to be grown there and now I take it with me and I go there. And, and it was the idea of going, these are the things that sustain life. This is how I will make my life. And I will sustain it because you need to know it wasn't just that they made wine. Wine was the way that, that they purified water during that time. So they would take the water and they would mix it with the wine and then they clean the water. So now that I have these clippings, I can go and, and I have life-giving water. And then the other thing was I'd take the pit and the olive pit and I would go grow olive trees. And then what would happen there is I would have olive oil that would be used when there's ailments and for healing in some ways. And then this would be the thing that gives me light because I would also use it to burn. So when I left my home and I took just these clippings and just this pit, and then I would go to this new place, these were the things that I knew I needed to sustain my life. And they were taken from my home and my family, and now I took them with me. It's part of the DNA. It was a, it was a ritual. It, it was a rite of the land and the family that you had that you take these things with you and then you make them part of your new life. It's these things being passed on and handed off from generation to generation. And if you look at that scripture, and I'd like to read that one again if that's okay, um, and I would like if you would notice the things that have to do with passing things on. John 15, 8 through 11. My father is glorified in this that you bear much fruit and you become my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I've loved you. So abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So much language of going, I'm passing this on. I'm passing this on. These are not things just to be held on to, but things to be passed on. Today, we have these kindergartners, and we're sending them off for the first time. And if you're a mom or a dad or a kindergartner, man, I get it. I remember. It's hard the first time to think, I'm sending my child off to be with someone else for more of their waking day than they will be with me. It's a new world. And you're sending them out to be influenced by the world and to influence the world. But you need to know when they go, they take clippings with them. They take clippings of their home and what they've grown, and now they take it with them as they go out into the world. But in this scripture, as you watch what Jesus says, one of the things that's really neat about this is you have Jesus saying, I have something. If you looked at what he said, he's talking about the love of God. He's talking about abiding in, in God. He's talking about the commands. And he goes, I have these things, and I want you to have them. That's what he's talking to his disciples about. I want you to have the things that I have. And it's not just that I have them. I've actually shown you perfectly what they look like. I've shown you exactly what they are. And so he showed us these things in this perfect example, and that he's the source of these things. He kind of says, you know, in the same way my father loves me, so I've loved you. And he says, in the same way I've obeyed my father's commandments, you can obey my commandments. And in the same way I abide in my Father's love, I want you to abide in my Father's love. And in the same way I have joy in all of this, I want you to have this joy. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, if y'all will pull up the next slide there, this is really what Jesus is saying in these scriptures. I am passing the Father's love that I have onto you. I've received it, and now it's yours. 
I am passing my obedience on to you as I have obeyed the Father. Now I pass that on to you as you obey me. I'm passing our relationship and what it's like on to you. As I have abided with my Father, as I live with him, as I hold on to him, as I dwell with him, now I pass that on to you for you to abide and dwell and live in this way. And finally, I'm passing my joy on to you. The joy that I've received from my Father, now I'm giving to you, and you'll have this joy. It's all this passing down. And it's not just that Jesus has had it. It's actually that Jesus goes, I've rejoiced in what I have. I've had it. I've experienced it. I've tasted all of this from my Father, and I want desperately for you to have this. And don't forget, what you have is a Savior here who's hours away from his own death that he knows is coming. And to be able to say, the joy that I have in abiding with my Father is the joy I desperately want you to have in abiding with me. So Jesus is passing this on. The thing I want us to remember is that as disciples, we have that too. We have that experience we have that passed on to us, that it's our desire to pass on to others as disciples, as parents, as grandparents, as a church. We get this opportunity to pass this on to our kids, to the next generation. And it's not just we have the opportunity, we get the obligation and we get the joy to be able to do this. What God has done in us we get to carry, we get to actually bear, as you would hear it. We get to bear that on and then pass that on to the next generation. So I would tell you today, as parents and grandparents, you need to know something. Your kids and your grandkids, they are carrying clippings from your family. No matter what, they're going to take them. What you have grown and what you nurture, they will carry with them. This is what they have learned in how to sustain life and how to make life and how to live. And so what we want more than anything is for them to take clippings from healthy branches. We want to be those healthy branches that they can take this from. We want to be able to do that. And a couple of ways that you can do that that I just want to mention real quickly. And like I said, this is for parents. This is for grandparents as well is one of the things we want to do is we want to elevate the true vine. We've talked about this. Jesus starts this whole thing off with going, you need to understand something. There's only one true vine. All the other are images. I am the true vine. And any way that we can get our children and our grandchildren to understand, baby, there is one true way to live this. And it's holding on just as tightly as you can to Christ. It's making that your identity. It's making that your source of power. It's making that the start and the end of everything we do. That's who we are. And if we can do that with our kids, they'll start to grasp the concept of how powerful the true vine is. You will get to show them that. As a matter of fact, I love that we still ha we have this up here. Teach this diligently to your children. When they experience loss, and they will, this is your opportunity to go, we don't mourn like the rest of the world. See, we're God's people. It's different for us. We have hope. This is not the end. This is what our God says about this. And so we're not like other people. You're going to see God show up in this loss. You're going to see God make something beautiful out of this. You need to know that for us, we're God's people, and so it looks different for us. When there's conflict at school and they go home and they say, little Johnny is 
bothering me or he hit me or the teacher's not treating me well. We don't handle that like the rest of the world. See, we're God's people. And this is your opportunity when your kids come home and say, I've been mistreated, is to go, I get that. But we're God's people, and so here's how we're going to handle this. We're going to be loving. We're going to be kind. We're going to go talk to him. But you need to know, Johnny's made in the image of God, too, and because of that, he has great worth. These are the things that allow your children to walk on with the clippings of a healthy branch. In relationships as they get older, you'll be able to tell them, well, see, we're God's people. And since we're God's people, every relationship we have with friends, with boyfriends, with girlfriends, with other people at school, romantic relationships, even the way we treat our parents, we do it differently. You want to know why? Because we belong to God. We hold tightly onto the one true vine. He's the one that gives us the source and directs us in how we handle this. These are the times that will shape your children into disciples, which is what we desire more than anything to make of our kids. Now, here's another way you do it. You elevate the one true vine, and this is the other part I think that's really important, is you got to take the other things and you got to push them down. You really have to push them down because there's a lot of good things out there. And what will happen a lot is the rest of the world will make a big deal out of these other things. And so there's times where you have to take those and you go, yeah, that's nice, but that's not what really matters. Let me give you a couple of examples, okay? And I'm hoping not to step on toes. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch maybe with some of this. I don't know. <laughs> but right? What a tragedy it is. If our kids were to say as they grow up, I never saw mom and dad more proud than when I did X in sports, in band, in cheerleading. That was the proudest I ever saw mom and dad. What a tragedy that would be as people who are disciples of Jesus, who hold on to the one true vine. What a tragedy it would be if we had kids that said, I never saw mom or dad happier than when we won state, when I made the honor roll, when I did this. Those are good things. They're not bad, but they're not the true vine. Don't let that be the thing that your kids see make you the most proud. What a tragedy that would be. What a tragedy it would be if they said, no matter what, my parents taught me, that we never miss X, work, these other things. We'll sacrifice anything to make sure that we don't miss work, we don't miss this vacation, we don't miss this extracurricular activity, we don't miss. What a tragedy that would be that we showed our kids that that's when we were happiest, that's when we were most satisfied, that's when they met the expectations we had for them. Instead, we have this opportunity to go, oh, I love to watch you play this instrument, this game, is so much fun. But do you know what really matters? You know what I'm really proud of? That you belong to God. That you're God's child. That you act in a Christ-like way. That you know who you are. And that none of these extra things we do that will come and go and eventually let our children down are the things that make their identity and their worth and set who they are. This is the opportunity we have with our kids to be able to show them the one true vine and to hang on to it. These are the things that matter. And then as parents and grandparents, we get the opportunity to say, you see, I have it, and I want you to desperately have it, just like I do, in the same way that Jesus said that to us. I've gotten to obey Jesus, and through that, I've been set free because I know he's a good, good Savior. And I want you to have that. I know the joy that comes in belonging to Christ, and I want you to have that. I have learned to abide in who Jesus is, in the one true vine, and I want you to have that. And we get to pass that on. 
Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He's the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. To a thousand generations. A thousand generations. That means when you abide now in Christ and you show your kids how to abide in this, there will be fruit that comes that you probably won't even be able to see. Isn't that a great thought? Our first reaction, because we're impatient people, is to go, what an awful thing, I won't get to see the results of this. But this is a promise made from God to say, this will go on long after you've disappeared. If I can, I want to show you something. This, it's in a, I keep it in a baggie. This is a Bible. This was my grandfather on my mom's side's Bible. Um, it was given to him by my great-grandmother. I, I never met my great-grandmother. I never met my grandfather on my mom's side. I hear that he's the one I most look like and uh, kind of built like and look like. I'm assuming he was devilishly handsome. Yeah, well, thanks for that. Um, it was given to him 115 years ago by his mother, given to my grandfather, on his sixth birthday. And what it says inside there is, this is from your mother, and it says, for your sake, read this. For the sake of your children and their children, read this. Clippings. Clippings from somebody I never met. Clippings from the branch that was attached to the true vine. Passing on to the next generation. This is what matters. This is who you are. And I imagine, like I said, never met her, but that my great-grandmother would have never expected that we'd be holding it 115 years later in church and talking about it. And that it made an impact. I know not all of you, not all of us have that. We don't have that heritage that goes way, way back. But here's the neat part about this, is that scripture in Deuteronomy, it's not just talking about you will ha you've had this for a long time. It's talking about the promise that says, if you will let me be your God, this will go on for generation after generation after generation. It will matter. When we abide now, it will make a difference Beyond our time. Fruit will come. This is the hauling water we talked about that someday will be wine. This is the planting of a vineyard that you won't even get to see the grapes. But generations after you will be able to see them and know that they mattered. It's important to us. And then as a church, I want to tell you this too. With our children, we have a privilege and we have a responsibility and we have an honor to say, our kids this is what we did today with the kinder blessing. These are our kids. All of ours. And we have this great commission to go in the world and make disciples. And let me tell you, that should start here with our kids. Amen. It's a hard time to grow up and be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is hard. And that's why they desperately need all of us. This is our work. This is the thing that we do that God promises to make a difference in. This is what we do. They will take clippings from all of us as they go out into this world.
That's why I love talking to Clark and I love talking to Ricky and making sure you understand, and I'll just say it, we don't provide child care here. We make disciples here. The children's ministry, the youth ministry, the things that we do, this is not about just taking care of your kids while you go to real church. We make disciples. Your kids are back there hearing about the God that matters. They're back there hearing about the true vine. They are back there understanding, did you realize that you're made in the image of God and because of that you have great worth? Did you know that God loves you? And did you know that will never change? And do you know what it means to be part of a family that is redeemed people, people of God? I saw, uh, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, George Barna. George Barna is a researcher who researches Christian, uh, the Christian culture in America and the church in America. And one of the things that he said that has changed over the last few years is in particular, um, some of this is disheartening and some of it's actually kind of good. Uh, but one of the things that he said was that it is so hard for our kids now to grow up uh, as followers and disciples of Jesus. And one of the things that they need is seven adult Christian influences to have a strong faith by the time that they graduate high school and college. Seven. Seven adults per kid. That makes it all of our job to raise our children to be disciples and to know who they are. Because you know what? When we do, they'll go out into this world and they'll start a whole nother generation maybe of people that follow the Lord and that love them. This is why we do what we do. This is why we take time and we tell these kids and we give them this Bible because someday that might be a Bible that somebody else holds a hundred years from now and said, these are the clippings from way back that has survived and the things that matter. In 3 John verses 2 through 4, this is maybe a scripture that you know if you're a parent, this has been one of our favorite ones. This is John talking. He says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. How many of y'all know that scripture? And, and think about it when you think about your kids. It's, it's quite an act of faith. And I'll tell you, if you don't know that one and you have little ones, hang on to that one. Because it is true. There is no greater joy than to know that your children are walking in the truth. This world's going to throw some hard things at your kids. But if they walk in the truth that can't be shattered by circumstances around them, if they know who they are and they know whose they are and they know the hope that they have in eternity. Now, you need to understand something. This isn't John's kid he's talking to. This is a spiritual child. This is John talking to someone named Gaius. And what he's saying is, I know that I taught you and now I see you living that out and I can tell you, it gives me great joy. What a great thing as a church for us to see children who grow up here that maybe aren't even our own physical children, but instead of our spiritual children, and to be able to tell them nothing gives us greater joy than to watch you walk in the truth of this world. Amen. To watch you belong to Christ and to watch you make an impact for Christ in this world. What an amazing thing. May we be a church so focused on making disciples that we make sure the clippings of the branches that are taken from here are healthy and good and attached to the one true vine. May we be a people that not only shares this with our own children, 
But the spiritual children that come in here constantly, if you are new to this place, we want you to know there is one true vine that gives life and gives redemption and gives hope, and we desperately want you to know it. We would love to be able to show that to you. We would love for our joy that we have in being redeemed people of Christ to spill over and to be your joy. We want you to know if you haven't made that decision yet, if you haven't found out how to attach to the one true vine, come find me. I'll be right back there. I would love to talk to you about it. I would love for you to know what it means to be set free in Christ and for you to know what it means to be attached to the true vine and for you to be able to abide in Christ. We would love to talk to you about that. If you need prayers, we'll be back there for you to pray with us. Whatever you need, you can come find us. We'll be around here, I promise you. Uh, Come talk to us about it. In the meantime, if I can, I'd like to pray over you and give you a blessing. Holy God, we do thank you that you have given us the children of this church. We thank you for our own kids. We thank you for our grandkids. And I thank, uh, thank you, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to empower them, to remind them of a God that loves them, to remind them of a Savior uh, that has gone through everything to redeem them. Lord, we ask that you would uh, remind us of the great joy it is to share our stories in Christ with the next generation, whether they be adults, the little ones, uh, bedtime, the stories that we tell. Let us remind people that we have been redeemed through Jesus Christ. And then we say, the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.